Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. <laughs> and I'm Aldwin. I wasn't sure if I should wait while you sipped from your reusable straw. <laughs> yeah, it is a reusable straw. I always question whether me taking a sip at the beginning of the show is like the appropriate time. There's it's, never it's, a bad time. It's almost tradition at this point yeah. that I take a sip right at the start of the show yeah when we're doing like a retrospective of our show we should actually do a segment of just <laughs> rattling ice cubes <laughs> in glasses <laughs> oh my god you're gonna break that glass that's a very sensitive glass <laughs> given to me gifted to me by you and wade thank you so much yes it was a housewarming gift just so you know Riedel or Rydell or however you pronounce them Wade has yelled from the other room, Riedel. They make uh, lovely, obviously they make wine glasses, but they also make mm. gin goblets or whatever you call them. So that is what um, I gifted to you for your housewarming because you. you and I both love gin. Yes. Uh, gin we, queens. We also love voting. <laughs> and in a democratic process, we would invite y'all our listeners, mm. our lovely followers and listeners to go <clears throat> to sportspodcastawards.com. You have until March the 6th, I believe, to yep. vote. Uh, you must register and then you can vote for your favorite tennis podcast. Best tennis podcast, I believe, is a category. And um, you should select us and none of the other seven very worthy yet not as worthy as us. Exactly. Um, at a certain point, they removed the leaderboard, so we actively could see where we stood among the seven other teams. And we were, for a time, ranked fifth in the voting process, but we inched our way up to number four. So we definitely need your votes, please. Yeah. Please. Please, please. vote for us. Um, if you like us at all, you you would do that. And we know you Jason's do. Jason said that he would um, take uh, transportation, whether by plane, train, or automobile, uh, for every person that voted and give you a personal massage. So That's I, what he said. Correct. I did say that. <laughs> uh, so apparently the awards will be handed out virtually, I sense in some way, shape, or form on March 31st. Uh-huh. Do you have your tux ready? <laughs> I do have a tux, but it is 10 years old, and I don't think I can bring it out anymore because it's dated. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. So long as you, as you have something, you know, cute and fresh, you don't even have to wear pants if it's virtual. True. That's true. Right? Very true. If, t if the last two years have told us anything, pants aren't necessary. 
<laughs> they are necessary on the court, though. Not pants, but shorts, at least. Oh, yeah. And we, yeah, absolutely. We've actually used shorts the last week or so because we've actually got out onto the court to play t- tennis. We have. I mean, you more so than I, which is a rarity. I feel like... Um, Last year, I was on the court. I put in more court time than you did, like, you know, just picking up some practice sessions here and there. But you have played some winter team tennis, like our gay league. I played the gay league. We are team blue. And I, you know, not to rag on my team, but I was, I'm not happy with the name that we eventually chose. It's absolutely fab blueless. <laughs> is it because that's in reference to like a very cheap and gross vodka? <laughs> I think it's in reference to the British show. Oh, the British show. Absolutely gotcha. fabulous, but with blue in it. There's like no young people on the team. Like they had to go for like a. <laughs> it's a mix. I, I liked in the Navy. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, Village people reference. Correct, yeah. So even older. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I was uh, voted out. But anyway, yes, I had my first match with my new partner. Ross. Slow tier, but happy tier at the same time because I'm partnered with Ross, another lefty. Mm -hmm. And we played a tough team in Joe and his new partner named Carl, who I hadn't met before, but I think is a Howard... Oh no, a Witchwood member, Carl Peterson. I, She's I, back. I'm not sure. Is that his last name? I'm not sure. Very, yeah, t- very sweet. tall, lanky legs. Swedish. No. What? No. Okay, it's a different guy different than I'm thinking guy. of. Um. Yeah, it was a very tough battle. The first set was seven zero minutes. What? Yeah. Wow. We were down. Who came away with the first set. We came away with the first set. We were down five one in the tiebreak, and I literally said to Ross, "I was like, okay, now we need to mount our comeback. Did we not win the next five points? Wow. You turned it around. T- turned the beat around. We turned the beat around, and then it was topsy turvy back and forth until we took this tiebreak ten to eight. Oh my god, that's so dramatic, of course. And then because you only get two hours on the court as the 5.30 matchup, we actually were unable to, you know, officially finish, uh, but we were up in the second set 5.3. Wow, so you won! We did, we won our first match. Mm Woohoo! Good job, guys. Yeah, I am uh, happy with my new partner. You know, no tea, no shade. But <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> uh, we had good sort of uh, communication, movement around the court. Um, yeah, Ross was feeling his forehand. He just needed to sort of get into the groove. Um, I was only broken once, which is shocking for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you when we were practicing we were you know practicing at supreme court the other day you're you were serving really well like you're serving very consistently so it doesn't surprise me that you had a good service day yeah. on saturday yeah so it was uh it was good and now you know we're getting back into playing a little bit more at supreme it's a little bit tougher to get court time in the evening so we're you know subjecting ourselves to 6 30 a.m like we will tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) and that's because we love the churnus yeah i 
put me on at any time. I'm just happy to hit a couple balls. You know, I mean, I say that now, but 20 minutes into our hitting session, when I'm hitting like 50 forehand, one-handed forehand errors into the back tarp and I want to break my racket, that's a different story. <laughs> well, when we hit on Wednesday or Thursday last week, your one-hander wasn't bad. I didn't uh, know that you were going back to it, but maybe it had been so long since we played that maybe you had gone back to it three months ago. And I forgot. <laughs> I I always start the season with a fresh sense of optimism with regard to my forehand. So we'll see as, as things go. Mm-hmm. Probably become two-handed tomorrow. <laughs> well, we have two and a half months before a new official tournament again, which we talked about the CGO. So mm. we have we have time to work all those ground strokes and work that serve and get better at the net and you know still be shitty at the overheads and then <laughs> <laughs> and then play a tournament. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to. Um, Lose first round. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's hope not. Not at our home tournament. Okay. So another person who is probably very excited, his childhood dream hath come true. Mm-hmm. The big news of the week, despite not taking the title in Acapulco, is that Daniil, our boy, maybe more my boy than your boy, is now number one in the world. A new men's number one, other than Joko, Murray, Rafa, and Fed since 2004. That's that's like insane. That's 18 years. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy talk. Can I just share with all of our listeners a funny story? So on the weekend, uh, obviously me being in charge of social, I was like, hmm, what am I going to post as our stagnant post for, I think it was like Saturday. I'm like, you know, kind of thinking like, what are the headlines of the week? What has really caught my eye, caught my attention? So Jason was like, girl, are you going to do that post? I'm like, bitch, yes, just give me a second. He's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I was thinking of doing like an Annette Contavite versus Yelena Ostapenko um, stagnant post. And you, I forget, actually, no, let me pull it up. Because I found it so, um, you know, Jason is a person of very few words on text. So it's very, you could kind of interpret what he says in so many different ways. Um, <laughs> like. Oh, yeah, so, okay, this is how it goes. Um, so I write to him, yeah, hmm, maybe like in Annette versus Ostapenko stagnant. <laughs> and then Jason replies, what about Danielle becoming number one? <laughs> And then I'm like, LOL. Oh, yeah, I guess that's important. (laughs) You were like, is that a read? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I agree. This is, yeah, probably one of the biggest headlines in tennis over the past week. Yeah. 18 years since there's been a number one that hasn't been one of those four guys. And we've been waiting for one of... Daniil, Zverev, Dominic Team, those I guess are the the three main ones mm-hmm. that have been really the ones under consideration to make that that leap. So I mean others have made it close, like Delpo's been number three in the world, even Raunich, where is he? I don't know. Raunich has been <laughs> number three in the world. Um Vavrenka has been up there, I think, at number three. Number three. Chilich maybe as well, but none of those guys have been number one. So 
maybe this is like the official official start of the changing of the guard I mean I would tend to agree with you but um just let's all remember that Daniil had an opportunity to um you know really stand by his new number one ranking when he played Rafa in the semifinal of Acapulco but she got a beat down. <laughs> she yeah. got beat the F down almost as if Rafa was like, oh, yeah, you're number one now. Well, guess what? <laughs> Who still owns your ass on the court, bitch? Yeah, I, I have to agree that it must it would have felt a whole lot better to be number one <laughs> in the world by while also taking a title and also beating a former number one. But he couldn't get it done. Yeah, he's like the Yelena Yankovic of um, of the men's side. Like, you know, or no, Denara Safina, like Roman Madrid. Remember that, Serena right. comment? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he you can't really take that away from him, despite the fact Rafa took him down 3-3 three and three in the Acapulco semifinal. Agreed. I mean, he has been, well, clearly the most consistent of them all over the past six months. And so he definitely merits that number one ranking. Mm -hmm. So in honor of Daniil becoming the 27th male player (laughs) in just under 50 years to be number one in the world, which is that's an average of one player, one new player every two years being number one Mm -hmm. in the world. That's pretty crazy. Uh, I thought we would do a little analysis of anal cyst anal cyst of the top players and just have you you know try and name a few of the past number one players in the world that were not named rafa and roger and novak and andy and daniel <laughs> okay um you want me to start now yeah just give just give us like i feel like you could do 10 even though you profess to be more of a wta girl and you know that's true but i feel like you i feel like you could name 10 of the other 22 so i think you could get close to 50 percent of them okay so i'm gonna say leighton hewitt correct okay i'm gonna say marcelo rios i remember him because he never won a slam but was number one in the world correct i'm gonna say evgeny kafelnikov Correct. I'm going to say Andre Agassi, Avi. Correct. That's four. Pete Sampras. That's five. Um, I feel like there was a guy in that era that I missed, but I'm going to go for some, you know, low-hanging fruit here. McEnroe. That's six or is that seven now? I think that's six. Okay, six. Connors. Seven. Lendl. Eight. Borg. Are you cheating right now? I swear to God, I'm not. <laughs> Nine. I'm not. Good. I'm not, hon. I know, I know. Becker. Ten. Edberg. Eleven. Oh, gosh. This is where it gets a bit choppy for me. It gets a bit chopper whoppers. I'm going to say, I'm going to throw in Guillermo Vilas. Was he number one? No. F. Um, you did well though. Eleven's good, right? Yeah. So there are nine more that I'm missing. Yeah, 
I mean, I can run them down because this segment could go long and we don't want Yeah, to. yeah, no, go. Give us, so give us the, the rundown. The first number one was Ilya Nastasi from Romania. Oh, that's nice. And he was number one for 40 weeks from uh, August 1973 to June 74. John Newcomb from Australia was number one for eight weeks after that. Jimmy Connors, Borg, they traded back and forth for a couple of years for like five years to be exact and then johnny mac in 1980 uh-huh. uh and then borg johnny mac and connor's sort of went back and forth for three or four years lendl came around and then it was him and lendl and connor's and then for a period it was just lendl and connor's mats vlander oh 1988 damn it um and then Lendl again, followed by Stefan Edberg. He became the eighth number one player in the world. Then Boris Becker. They traded back and forth. Jim Courier was the 10th. Mother F, I knew it. <laughs> in 1992. If you think I have all of this knowledge, I don't. It's just I have Wikipedia page up with this information. Uh, Jim Courier and Stefan Edberg went back and forth. And then the 11th player was Pete Sampras. See, Sampras. <laughs> um, Andre Agassi was the 12th. Uh, you will be surprised perhaps to learn that Tomas Muster was number oh. one in the world for six weeks. Good for him. Um Marcelo Rios, who you mentioned, uh, Carlos Moya, coach of Rafa Nadal, Freck. was the 15th number Damn one player. Uh, you mentioned Yevgeny Kafelnikov. That's very good. I would not have mentioned him or remembered him. <laughs> uh, Patrick Rafter. Was, oh, I was going to say Rafter. I was unsure. Well, it's not surprising you were unsure, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. Uh, Murat Safin. Uh, yeah. was number one in the world a couple of times. Uh, he had a total of nine weeks at number one uh, over three stints. Nice. Gustavo Kirten. Of course. Guga. Guga, number 19. Leighton Hewitt was the 20th number one player in the world. L- he held it nugget. for 75 weeks. Yeah, that little nugget was impressive. Yeah, sorry, 75 weeks consecutive before he was bounced by Andre Agassi. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say bounced by Kim Kleisters. Because <laughs> they, they dated and she was like, see ya. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Peace out. So, um, yeah, Leighton Hewitt was number one for 80 weeks in total. Juan Carlos Ferrero. Oh my God, Ferrero Rocher. Damn it. Number 21. Uh, number one player in the world for eight weeks. Uh, Andy Roddick was the next number 22 um, for 13 weeks. And then then we had the dominance of Roger, Rafa, Novak, and Andy Murray. So Roddick was the last person to hold the number one ranking before Roger and the three others assumed it. Correct. The last person that wasn't named those four um, was was Roddick February 1st 2004 is how long he held it until wow yeah uh, so Roger 
held it as of February 2nd, 2004, and held it for 237 consecutive weeks. That's the longest sort of run ever. Damn. And Joko was close. Like, how many weeks had he been at number one until uh, Medvedev took over? Do you know? I'm sure it must be close to that. Joko held it for 79 weeks, this most recent uh, <laughs> oh, <okay>. stint. Um, <laughs> although, I okay. don't know if they count the frozen rankings during COVID. Um, mm. I do, it looks like they don't count that towards his overall number one ranking, which is interesting. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's those are your facts, everybody, um, listeners. I mentioned um, Patrick Rafter. He yeah. has the distinction of having the least number of weeks at number one. I mentioned a couple of others who had quite low numbers. How many weeks do you think he held the number one ranking? I'm going to say for one week. You are correct. Two? For one damn week? One damn week. July 26th. Okay, go. Okay, that's okay. I was going to say, I mean, Pat Rafter won a couple of U.S. Open titles, so I'm assuming that it would have come in October, his number one ranking, but you just... You know, gave her away within July. Yeah. Yeah. July 1999. Damn. He must have had a good... I mean, that's really interesting to me. I get... Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. That's it. That's a little history of the number (laughs) one ranking. And we'll see... Daniil, they they put his picture up on this Wikipedia page looking all, like, serious and giving off that BDE. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, maybe a little bit hard done by. That's the vibe he gives off. That's the vibe he likes to give off. Uh, yeah, yeah. He could be. He could give a bit of a more softness. Yeah, yeah. He, he does from time to time. I guess it's just people love this narrative of him being like you know, you know, dos vedanya. Yeah. Well, speaking of the softness, maybe we should dive into this whole post that he did that you was sort of shared broadly on his social and his Twitter and stuff uh-huh. about, you know, dreaming and wanting to make sure kids don't stop dreaming. And, you know, we remember the whole story that he shared post AO when he lost and was feeling a bit hard done by, by the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Shared a post in front of, front of a graphic that said, hashtag kids, don't stop dreaming. And, he, and I, I shared the post. Would you like me to, to read his post? I would I would love. I was waiting for you to give us a dramatic interpretation <laughs> of do, his posts. We're all waiting. Do you remember what I had have said after Australian Open final? This story was just about me, my childhood dreams. And today I want to speak on behalf of every kid in the world. They all have dreams. Their life is just starting. So many nice experiences to come. First friends, first great emotions. Everything they feel and see is for the first time in their lives. That's why I want to ask for peace in the world, for peace Mm. between countries. Kids are born with inner trust in the world. They believe so much in everything, in people, in love, in safety and justice, and in their chances in life. Let's be together and show them that it's true because every kid shouldn't stop dreaming. 
Mm-hmm. And the new Miss Universe is <laughs> <laughs> Russia. <laughs> oh my God. Obviously, well, obviously, obviously, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. With uh, with Russia, where so that's where something like this comes from, and you know, hearkening back to his experience and um, at at the Australian Open, and you know, Rublev talked a little bit about some of the not so nice messages that he seems to be receiving on his social and Instagram mm-hmm. as a result of mm-hmm. the war that has broken out. I assume everybody knows about that and isn't sleeping or hasn't been sleeping the last six or seven days. <laughs> yeah. Rublev didn't Rublev um, write post match. I think it was his semifinal match on the uh, cameraman's lens, like no more war or something, some, some message to that effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a tough time. I mean I don't even know if there are any words that I can use to express how obviously how insanely difficult and tumultuous it is out there in the world. Um, you know, you and I had kind of a bit of a conversation about where do athletes, especially world class athletes, what their position should be um, in a situation that involves politics, especially if they're representing a country that is inflicting a lot of you know. Um, humanitarian crimes and invading essentially another sovereign nation um do they necessarily have a responsibility is a tough do they have a responsibility i was gonna say responsibility is a tough word to use because it assumes that a person has to say something about it or has to talk about it and you have a lot of people that say they have such a wide-reaching platform that they should be responsible and say something while others you know kind of would defer to like privacy and you know politics has nothing to do with the world of sport sport is in fact a place where you know people have argued this about the olympics where politics should not be involved but it's really difficult to not have an intersectionality when it comes to sports and when it comes to politics so i would say that you know it would be yeah, I think it would be um, nice to hear what athletes have to say. Um, I mean, we may not all like what they have to say, what their <laughs> opinion is, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that that's a tough question. Yeah. That's really a tough t- question to navigate. Yeah, because, yeah, I agree. I think there's some expectation that they will have something to say and it's it's perhaps an expectation of their fans to lean in or have a certain opinion but i don't think it's hard to expect that you know these folks are going to always say the right thing so i think you have to take what they say um and give them perhaps a pass in certain instances that they might not be able to put their words together in the most effective way because it's not sort of their wheelhouse to talk about these issues or these things, but mm-hmm. obviously it seems like Medvedev and Rublev and perhaps the other Russians, I don't know if, if they've had issues as well or been asked to speak about it. Hachanov and Karatsev. Pavlyuchenkova. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ladies as well. But um, yeah, it's just an interesting moment for them, I'm sure. And I'm, Obviously, for someone like Daniil, who has become number one in the world for the 
you know, being the first player in 18 years to be the number one in the world, it's, it's gotta be a bit of a conflicting moment for him in light of what's going on in the world. Yeah. I, I mean, he's never been one to shy away from sharing his opinion. Um, so you, one would expect that he would have something to say and comment about it. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's a really kind of, those are wise words. It's really tough in this day and age. It can be about any topic, but people that have that kind of platform because of how wide reaching they are using their social platforms can get people to really attach themselves to their personal beliefs. And just like you said, they're not experts in any of this. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, even though it may seem like a cop-out station to say like, we want world peace. I think that's the most honest thing that a person can say without really getting into the nitty gritty of the politics of it all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the message that Rublev put out on the camera, which was very simple, no war, please, Mm -hmm. um, is as powerful as you can get. And you could see like even when he won that semifinal match and when he won the final match, there was, I think, something there in his reaction to winning those uh, those two matches in particular in light of perhaps the things that he was receiving on his social media. And we talked, we've talked a little bit about that the last couple months related to different players who receive sort of hate on their socials for different reasons and stuff. Right. So, you know, the Russian players are now experiencing that. Yeah. Unfortunate. unfortunate. Um, but Rublev's still winning. <laughs> She continues to win. The streak continues. Yeah, despite being clearly tired, like you could see it like, in some <laughs> of those in some of those matches. But he is now uh, fifteen and two, only bested by another player. We're going to talk about. But like, what do you think about how he's been playing so far? And you know, being back in the ATP five hundred winner's circle, <laughs> where he's known he's known to be at his best. Yeah, there was definitely no shortage of ATP memes that were, you know, put out there on the, uh, you know, Twitter and IG verse of um, Medvedev winning again another 500 level title. Rublev. Who did I say? Medvedev. That's fine. Oh, gotcha. Rublev. Rublev. (laughs) You know, the abs are so difficult to to differentiate. Um, What do I think about his play? Yeah, I, you know, I think that he has always been a player that has managed to muster enough energy to carry himself to another you know to another title he just see he knows how to play the duration of a tournament uh, and let me just make a little precision about that comment you know you've got players that can go on streaks like they can be incredibly hot and take a couple of rounds and you know lose a couple of games and then all of a sudden in their third and fourth match <laughs> maria sacri um <laughs> can kind of flame out and play really inconsistently but Rublev really knows how to stay the course for six matches. And he plays within himself, within himself, within himself. And he plays um, really intelligent tennis. And you know that you're not going to get, um, you know, a lot of unforced errors from him. And that to me is like the perfect um, equation to get yourself those titles. Mm-hmm. So does it surprise me? No, not really. I mean, I think he's back on the horse and... I, I'm just expecting him to claim many more 500 level titles <laughs> this year. Maybe not a Masters. Maybe not. Maybe maybe one Masters. Okay. Maybe okay. one Masters. I mean, he had his chances last year in Monte Carlo, so this could be, 
his year. He's obviously had a bit of a resurgence because the last title he won before this year was Rotterdam, which Felix mm. took. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens for him. I just chalk it up to all the kissing he does of the necklace before each point. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that necklace has a lot of power. Yeah. We should get ourselves a necklace. <laughs> I know, for sure. I don't know if I could, like, obviously that's one of his isms. I don't know that I would give so much commitment to kissing anything <laughs> while I'm on the court, to be honest. You mean like you wouldn't go to the back of the tarp and just like swipe your hand across the tarp <laughs> and then like pray or something? <laughs> that player is knows who she is. <laughs> the, that player that shall not be named. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so there is another player who is undefeated we're talking a lot about the men but there's a lot of i think stories here Mm -hmm. the guy who did we did just talked about having defeated daniel 15 and 0 now rafa Mm -hmm. took the title in acapulco (laughs) (laughs) first of okay no let me ask you a question can you believe can you believe that can you believe that are you in belief of what is happening right now he loves the Spanish speaking places, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he is the um, youngest winner in Acapulco and uh-huh. n- now the oldest winner in Acapulco. And therefore, the one with the most hair and the one with the least hair <laughs> to have won the title. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just so interesting, you know, for Daniil to have lost to a former number one and now take the mantle, but. This guy is just an indicative of comebacks in tennis. Like, I remember his comeback in 2013. I was like, this isn't going to be that good. And then he won, like, multiple tournaments in a row. I think he came back, like, in and around the clay court swing. So he Mm. had his better chances um, at those events. But for him to, like, come back, you know, went to Washington lost to Lloyd Harris, <laughs> went to Toronto. We were all excited for that Wednesday <laughs> evening night session, shoots a video just before, not happy to be shooting that video at all, that he's withdrawing <laughs> from the National Bank Open, spends a couple months on crutches, you know, starts to think about coming back to tennis, plays a warm-up, I think, in the Middle East. Um, both he and Chapo come down with Koro just before... <laughs> the Australian summer and then he plays the warm-up in Melbourne and wins it plays the AO and wins it which he as we've talked about didn't have much luck at that tournament so the chances of him winning the AO were quite slim although he's made a few uh, several finals and hadn't won it since 2009 but to win it against Medvedev who's like the top player coming down two sets to love then goes to Acapulco wins that not losing a set Mm -hmm. it's just uh pretty unbelievable and speaks to the kind of player he is and how hardworking is and he's just a special special talent yeah i mean i said this on our reel before he either is made of pure magic or he has made a deal with the devil (laughs) he literally is you know under the devil's control because he's like get me as many tournaments as possible win me as many times as possible and I will cement myself as the best player in the entire world I was in 
coming home from a Supreme Court tennis hitting session with Ryan when the Medvedev and Rafael Nadal final was going on in Acapulco. And um, first of all, Ryan Day is still a liar because he has yet to produce the proof that uh, Del Potro is consulting with Djokovic's doctors. He said that he read that somewhere, but he's still a liar until he proves otherwise, Ryan Day, if, you can, if you're listening. That's number one. Number two... Um, because he Ryan Day is on record the number Rafael Nadal's number one fan um, will divorce his husband you just he will do anything that it takes to be with Rafael Nadal and uh, I said to him yeah he's losing love five in the first set to Medvedev which was obviously a lie <laughs> which was obviously a lie and um, he's like that's okay I've just had so many disappointments and the next day I I messaged him like are you sad that I lied to you. And he was like, no. And I'm like, are you surprised that Rafa's doing so well? I'm like, he's like, he's just, just like you said, Jason, he's just got that little special Sutton Sutton. Yeah. Yeah. It's just some of his shot making in the final against Cam Norrie oh was God. incredible. Cam, listen, we do have to give a shout out to Cam Norrie, another one of these guys that won a tournament last week and then has made it to the final of another tournament, which is very impressive. But. You know, watching that final, albeit like, you know, 6-4, 6-4 is not a complete blowover, right? Mm -hmm. um, you just never got the, you just never get the feeling that Cam is going to come away winning that. You know, in the Medvedev matchup, although he was slaughtered, you still have more of a feeling that Medvedev has got more weapons to kind of contend and win. But Cam, we love you. I think that's amazing that you made another final. You have a nice check. I saw you wearing your Burberry shorts at dinner the other day, so you're clearly <laughs> enjoying yourself in Mexico. But, um, yeah, I wonder if he was, like, after the first set, he's like, what am I going to order at the restaurant? <laughs> oh, my God. So shady. I think he played well the first, uh, like, five or six games. And <laughs> <laughs> and you're saying you're calling me shady? <laughs> I think he played well for the first 15 minutes of the match. And, he, and then he fought He fought in the second set. But yeah, four and four is a tough, it's a tough go against, against Nadal in a tournament that he's won three times before. Now four times. Nori is, has improved immensely. I would say like the crispness of his backhand. I want it. Like I want it right now. The, the Christmas crispness. Oh, the crispness. Yeah. Um, and the, By crispness, do you mean stiffness? Well, yeah, it's a little bit... He doesn't have to do much work to, <laughs> to like, get into that shot. Because his backswing is... There's not much backswing there. And he just is able to sort of flatten it out and, and hit it with pace somehow. Like, that's a skill that I want. And then he's certainly, certainly improved his forehand. Like, he was... He was going toe to toe with Rafa in that do match. Do you think? Do you think that he went to the um, Ernest Golbis school of forehands to learn that? Well, the, they play from different sides, but yeah, maybe. I do, in terms of you, his racket preparation, like that is that is just spread eagle arm <laughs> formation to me. That's a lot of that's a lot that's of wingspan. A lot of wingspan. <laughs> that's a lot of wingspan. <laughs> I like. I mean, it. but it's wor it's working for her. It's working for her. Do you believe he in love will life be... after love? <laughs> Do you believe he is top five material? <laughs> Please, no, no. Sorry, Cameron Nori. 
Yeah. When Cameron Nori hits number five in the world, I will do this. I, dare me to do something. Go ahead. Dare me. <laughs> I will attend the National Bank Open Naked. When he hits number five in the world. Go ahead. Save shit. that. Record that bit. Record that shit. Go ahead. Lock this out, baby. <laughs> create I will, create uh, memes from this clip right now. I will attend the National Bank Open Naked. I mean, I probably can't because I'll get arrested, but I'll get as close to naked as possible without me getting arrested if he hits number five in the world. You have my word. Like, so you don't think he will ever reach number five in the world? I mean, unless, like... Ugh. No, I'm not going to say that. That's too macabre. Um... On his own talent? No. <laughs> he, I'm being honest. I'm sorry. He's only 26 years old, and he's currently ranked number 12. And he just won a title, and he just made a final, and he just had a little bit of a sort of tussle with Nadal. You, okay, you know who... Okay, do you know how many people are ahead of him that he needs to, like, jump over to get to number five? S- I mean... Sinner, Berrettini... Fine. Okay. He can do those too, sure. Um, Casper Rude. Chapeau, okay, yeah, Felix. He... Okay, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. Get, yeah, 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 yeah. Figure out what you're going to wear, except it's a <laughs> birthday suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give him more credit than that. Um, sure, he can get to, like, maybe number nine. <laughs> <laughs> this is Okay, so last chance. Do you want to take back your self-dare that you made no okay no perfect no uh, listen i'm i'm all for the excitement um and you know if cam nori proves me wrong then goes to show you how much my opinion matters to him <laughs> you hear that listeners just another reason why you should go to sports award for sports podcast awards.com and vote for us because there is an opportunity <laughs> that you'll see alduin naked and you know sucking on <laughs> straw <laughs> I mean, if you if you're uh, you follow my personal DM, me sending nude photos is not a new thing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. Um, Chapo lost another heartbreaker semifinal. What he he lost? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Is I that's a shock. <laughs> I mean, it is a shock because he had so many chances in that match, but one. Oh, that's a shock too. Thickum. <laughs> I'm calling him Thickum. I like it. Which stands for thick and juicy. Yuri Vesely, the Czech Czech player, mm-hmm. uh, made the final. Wow. Where did did he eat all of his competitors? I mean, he is a thick girl that clearly likes to have a burger with extra fries. Love it. I, I'm I'm into it. I mean, if you look at his profile picture on the ATP, he's definitely yeah. um, put on some extra center of gravity, as it were. Uh-huh. But I actually loved watching him play, loved watching his matches. Like, that ability to have that center of gravity to redirect balls on the court, particularly off what his do you backhand. Mean by center, what do you mean by center of gravity? Like, he's just so, like... He has so much say it capacity say it. in his body that what does that he... mean capacity <laughs> say it girl thickness okay closer that he was <laughs> able to like hit it with the quickness I like that yeah that should that should be his um uh, real housewife tagline I'm 
<laughs> I mean, it, what, what is it? My thickness will what? Will uh, hit it with the quickness. <laughs> but yeah, like he it. has obviously some good power on both sides. Lefty, great serve. I love the quick release serve. Like I've I've tried that before. I don't know if you have on your serve. Like not Conchita? so. Yeah, like the quick release just pounce on the ball. <laughs> not on the court. But. Look at look at the players he beat. He beat Marin Cilic. Marin Cilic yeah. was up in arms about the wind and the umbrella, the chair fire. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. Oh my god! Know. After we record, go check that out. It's hilarious. <laughs> he was he was down like four love in the second set or something, and it was very windy. And the umpire was the umpire <laughs> had like one of those shades from the sun, and then he had this umbrella, and it was so windy that the umbrella was like flailing about during <laughs> the point and Chilich was getting angry he's like what do you need you have sunglasses you have the shade and you have an umbrella and then he starts to take out the umbrella he's like it's too late it's too late it's already you know I'm already down for love <laughs> anyway so he beat him he beat RBA who like had won a title last week he beat him easily two and four then he beats the former now former number one player in the world, Joko, who we haven't even talked about, mm. who made his return. Maybe just there was so many other interesting things going on. Then he beat Chapo, three tiebreak sets, Ugh. Only, yeah. only to lose to Ruby Red Rublev. So like that is a pretty good showing. So why is what like he's just a guy who had a good week and are we ever going to talk about him again? Uh, I mean, he clearly does not have a track record of consistent results. It's nice when a person can catch fire and do well and create a name for themselves within a week. You know, I shared with you that, and I shared with everyone in our IG after he beat Chapo, I recorded his reaction and I don't know that a man could be more drenched in his own sweat. It was it was like it was rain. It had rained. He sweat on his clothes. The uh, I, the way that the clothes clung to his body were just was just gorgeous. And he, I have to say that all of our followers, that was the most popular story that we posted in the last week, and they were just living for the thick and juicy. Yeah. Um. Will we talk about him again? Maybe. I mean, maybe, probably not, <laughs> but it was nice that he was on the show that we talked about him for at least an episode. Yeah. Hopefully we get to talk about him again because I do like looking at thick and juicy and I yeah. like his style of play. There's something about it that I like. Yeah. And if you're like, I, I, I mean, I don't, I say this kind of half joking, but look, you can be a world-class athlete, a world-class athlete that has beaten arguably the best player in the entire history of the sport and still carry some extra weight. You know, I don't know whether that weight is intentional or not, but he mm. clearly doesn't have the physique of many, if not most elite men's tennis players. Mm -hmm. So look at that. I mean, if you're thinking about that last Ferrero Rocher, after hitting the tennis courts for two hours, then just treat yourself, girl. <laughs> I What I was impressed with, despite that, was his ability to move around the court and that center of gravity that allowed him to redirect the ball with some pace. So that's I, I think it's an I, advantage for her. 
the center of gravity. <laughs> Every time, if I'm helping someone at the store, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what? No one can even see your center of gravity. That's totally okay. That dress looks great on you. That center of gravity you can't even see, girl. <laughs> Speaking of dresses, we have to talk about the ladies. Right. Ega. Um, IGA. Your favorite supermarket. <laughs> For anybody who's not Canadian. Well, is is IGA it's not a chain in the US, is it? I think I think maybe in the like the northeast US. <laughs> I don't know You're what I'm saying. Shit uh, Iga was the winner at the first one thousand event of the year. I was mm. a little concerned about this I think we talked about this last week the number of fans that were in the stands <laughs> early on yes there were yeah, a few absolutely. more for the final and the semifinals which is good but she this is her fourth title fifth fourth yeah I think like she's got a slam under her belt she's got this 1000 she famously won Rome the other 1000 last year where she double bageled yeah. <laughs> Pushkova um, and I think she might have won like in Australia, one of the uh, she, fifty billion she won tournaments the, that happened in Australia. Yeah, she won the the tournament that took place post AO last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, she has a pretty good track record in performing at big tournaments. Um, I hail this as the return of Iga. You know, when we look back at the French Open 2020 podcast that we did, remember, we were like, oh, my God, look at that forehand, ATP style forehand. Like, (laughs) no one has that forehand. And she kind of went away. She uh, focused more on her. It seemed like she focused more on her doubles. Right. And um, now she's been doing well. Like, you know, the beginning of the year, she did really well in Australia and um, now winning here in Cotter. Or Qatar, whatever, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, the one kind of uh, fact that I wanted to share with you uh, that Ryan shared with me in mm-hmm. a car was that, um, you know, they do these fun little um, tests with players and they measure a multitude of factors. And one factor that they like to measure on a player's shots is revolutions per minute, so RPMs. And particularly for players that have... Um, lots of topspin and I think Rafa is notably obviously one of the players with the highest RPMs on his forehand with something like over 4,000 and Iga is the highest female she has the highest amount of RPMs in that forehand which means she's got a very aggressive motherfucking forehand and she really used it this tournament to her advantage and she completely demolished which was a complete shocker to me. My fave girl on the tour, the woman that was nameless, that now we are going to name at every episode, Annette Contevite. Mm-hmm. Love and two. What the F? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, on the forehand, she is one of the biggest fans of Nadal, so that's not surprising, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, Annette's chronic sneeze got in the way in this particular match. Like, I don't know how she plays tennis when she's sneezing uh, during every ground stroke. <laughs> I think that got in the way in this match. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm taking a look at. <laughs> That's my technical ta- expertise. <laughs> I think, um, uh, like CBC Sports is going to reach out to you about to, <laughs> right. about doing a commentary on that. Um, I'm just taking a look at her path. So where is she? She beat um, Sabalenka. She beat Kasatkina. Sabalenka. Um, she beat Sakari. Mm-hmm. She beat Contavite. And she beat them all very handily. She hadn't lost a set to either of them, to any of them, in fact. Um, so I'm really excited. I mean, I think that it's a good opportunity for her to refocus and to get herself geared up to winning another, to set herself to set herself up for the, you know, a little bit of the hard court season and then head off to the French Open, try to win that again. Yeah, and a bit of the Sunshine Double, which is coming up next mm-hmm. in uh, Indian Wells and Miami. Yeah, yeah. I think people questioned her ability on the hard court. They thought she was going to be a clay court player, but I mean, she has the game and she has the quickness and she has the ability to slide on hard court somehow. I still don't recommend that unless you're <laughs> unless you're skilled at it but yeah to beat that those level of players and in straight sets i mean we know sabalenka has been struggling uh this year mm. and sakari seems to struggle in the big moments but contavite does not and to beat her two in love in the final is pretty impressive so congrats and sorry haters of iga she's <laughs> on the on the warpath yeah, she's on the up and up. Uh, speaking of haters, uh, Ostapenko, the reason why I wanted to post the stagnant of Ostapenko <laughs> versus Contavite is that both players are probably the hottest on the WTA tour at the moment. Both had streaks coming in, um, obviously with uh, Annette winning in St. Petersburg and Ostapenko winning in, D- it's either Doha or Dubai the week before. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, Ostapenko was, again, clearing a war path as she was and destroying Mugu 6-2-6-2 in the quarterfinal. And, um, yeah, I just... At that point, I said to myself, she is... No one can stop her. Like, she clearly is gaining momentum and feels like she is invincible and she's going out there and she is crushing the ball, especially on the return, left, right, and center. And then... Annette just played a very measured and precise match. And, you know, you all good things have to come to an end. Yeah, and she sucked in that first set against Annette. Like, <laughs> I watched the, the entirety. I only sort of checked in around the semifinals because there was – it was a busy week and there was so much going on. But mm. – um, yeah, she was misfiring big time in that first set. Um, and then she sort of pulled it together in the second set, but it was not enough. Um, and I specifically watched and observed the handshake at the net because you talked uh. last week about, you know, the video that you pulled from YouTube of the 10 worst WTA handshakes and that she was representative in four of them and you can get a sense of perhaps why she might not be well liked on the tour the way she Mm. you know acknowledges her opponents at the net and I don't know I you know I haven't watched one of her um, matches recently because I didn't check in last week in terms of winning Mm -hmm. but um, yeah you know when you see some of these other players Annette specifically 
Anjabur, you know, the embrace mm. that even the embrace that Sloane had in her match in her final. Um, mm-hmm. There's sort of a way uh, to do it, and maybe it just comes naturally for the players who are respected versus the players who are not. Yeah, I mean, if there is one one positive thing to an additional positive thing to say about Yelena is that she is who she is. If she wants to give you a stank ass handshake, she's not going to pretend she's going to like you. She's going to like just let your hand graze her fingers and just whatever, not be the warmest. But I mean, that's her. She, uh, whenever she screams at her box, it is incredibly annoying. And again, another thing that makes me just like not like her so much. But she just does that because that's who she is. So she's not pretending to be anyone else other than her regular annoying self. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's annoying a lot of players. Not a net this past week, but uh, number twelve in the back to number twelve in the world. Yeah, yeah, which it makes things spicy at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, like get a whole different cast of characters into that top 10 and we'll see how where the chips fall. Where are the chips falling for Sloane Stevens now that she's won her first title in what seems like a long time? Bet on Sloane. She is newlywed, happy. I don't know what the what the last name of her now husband is. I was going to call her Mrs. something or other. But um, she, I mean, the Guadalajara tournament is only a 250 tournament. But, I mean, for her to be back in the winner's circle after four years is f- fabulous news. Um, four and she years. Really, four years is a long-ass time. Especially, listen, especially for someone like Sloane Stevens, who is such a gifted player, you would expect her to have had more opportunities to win tournaments you know, over the past four years. But, you know, she definitely had a drought and she managed to string together five matches. It's either five or six, five matches to um, come away with a nice, what was her, what was her, I'm looking, I want to look on IG. What was her trophy? Was it a pair? First, okay, sorry, quick side note. What is it about Mexican tournaments and pairs? Is it just Acapulco that hands out a pair? (laughs) And why a pair? I'm not sure. We well, you know what was Layla's trophy last year when she won in Monterrey. Okay, uh, well I don't know what Layla's trophy is. It looks like uh, Sloane's trophy looks like some kind of glorified snowflake. Or I mean, it's cute. She's wearing a cute sombrero, matches her orange Nike kit. Um. Anyway, back to the tennis. She beat Pushkova. Nice final. She played very well. Forehand on fire. Happy to see her winning. Yeah, congrats. Nice to see her back in the winner's circle, moving up in the rankings again, because she was sort of in the 50 to 60 range, and now she's back up to 39. She has bypassed Bianca, who is number 43 in the world now. Oh, my. Honestly, what? Yeah. 43? Where are these women? Hopefully some of these girls that we've been missing are going to you know, make their way back in the sunshine double. What? I know. Sorry. I'm just, I'm like, I know I'm recording an episode, but I'm like literally looking through her IG messages right now. Um, Sorry that she gets her way back into the sunshine. double. Yeah. Like some of these girls that we've been missing, like Naomi tends to take breaks and then she'll show up at 
Indian Wells in Miami. So hopefully we'll see her back and Bianca and like, I know Jen Brady's been injured. We've kind of been missing yes. her. Like bring yeah. back some of these girls. Like Sophia Kennan is ranked 89 in the world right now. <laughs> someone, someone, <laughs> someone take her to some kind of like, just get her some help. She is, she, she, listen, remember you talked about her last week and you're like, when she hits the ball and she's, she hits the ball so crisply, like where you want her to have a comeback. Cause she's too good to be at number 89, mm-hmm. like way too good. Yeah. And Osaka's way too good to be number 80. Yeah. But you know, I don't, I'm not too worried about Naomi. Yeah. Naomi's got, she's got, She's got the goods to really climb herself back. Yeah. So, climb back. Yeah. And hopefully she just wants to play tennis again. (laughs) Exactly. We shall see. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we shall see if we want to do a show again next week or not. (laughs) Depends on if you all keep listening and saying nice things. And, you know, we've been talking a little bit about, uh, before we hopped on, about, like, hearing from you guys about what you would like to hear and what you like about the show and what you don't like. So maybe we'll pull you guys and and probe you guys and prod you guys and like you know just stick in the tip a little bit part what around stick <laughs> stick stick in the tip yeah around your feedback <laughs> sorry that's <laughs> oh, okay yeah. i like it i just don't know if that that's means. it but you know <laughs> tell us what you like and don't like and um that's it yeah we, uh, you know us to not be shy. We love interacting with you guys on on DM on our IG. Um, we're not we're not shy to kind of like share and like message at all all hours of the day, especially me. So yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback just to make ourselves level up. Mm-hmm. Let, and y'all go level up and vote for us at the Sports Podcast Awards because you only have until March the sixth, which is Sunday. Sportspodcastawards.com. Yeah. And uh, may peace and healing come to Ukraine. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Bye. Bye. We're here for your tennis or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.